My name's Tracy Smith. I was born and raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan. In 1998, I attended the South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas. And at a promotional side event at a local coffee house, I saw a showcase featuring some of the most talented performance poets in the country. Afterwards, I returned home and founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. Now, almost 25 years later, for the sake of history, for the sake of nostalgia, and for some of the incredibly talented people we've lost along the way, I give you, dear listener, the Keizu Poetry Slamcast. This is Slam Later, like the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach in the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one naked moment. I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the Industrial Revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. And the place of finding how wonderful we are, we form the sweet nature of the future and the reasons that we sing. This week's Keizu Slamcast is going to be either a treat or a torment. It's a full one-hour set by Eric Ott, a.k.a. Big Papa E. He featured at our show a couple of times, and he had the worst luck in Kalamazoo. The first night uh, he featured, his train was several hours late, I think, and uh, a couple years later he came back through, and his girlfriend had dumped him the night before. Uh, so maybe karma is real. He was a member of some championship slam teams. He was on HBO's Deaf Poetry Jam a couple of times. He's energetic and funny and self-deprecating and somewhat self-aware. He kind of reminds me of the character Randall from the Clerks movies in that he's a fucking asshole and you want to punch him in the face. And then give him a hug. I hope you like him. So, all right. Without further ado, I know all of you have been waiting patiently. We have a member of the 1999 San Francisco National Championship team here to perform for you. Coming to the stage, give him a big round of applause. He has been fighting with Amtrak for hours and hours. All right. Give a big round of applause for Big Papa E. fucking tall people. Right, before I start this, I just want to say, I've been on the road for four months. First off, come hither. You, in the corner. You cool kids. Come over here. I want to feel you. Okay, just cheer really loud so I can hear you. Anyways, I've been on tour for four months. I've done 72 gigs and this is my last show of the entire tour. And I almost canceled. But Aton Kadosh said Kalamazoo was not to be missed. And this is what he said. He said, the girls are so cute in Kalamazoo. So I kept this gig. I I canceled Dayton, I canceled Urbana, Illinois, I got all kinds of people pissed off, but I kept Kalamazoo. And I can, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell Aton that, you're right, they're really cute in Kalamazoo. Okay, so, ladies and gentlemen, Big Papa E. Haiku to introduce the subject of the upcoming Bitter Ex-Girlfriend Haikus, number three. Goth Girl says, please don't write a poem about me. 
I say, well, okay. in all the marsh pit. I don't give a damn. And if you don't like it, I'll pull a stage dive and take your greasy punk ass out. I wade through the arching, twisting, gnashing whirlpool of elbows and knuckles, and I'll fuck up any droog foolish enough to meet my gaze. For I am a lumbering behemoth with a six-foot-tall spike mohawk and a pierced uvula. I got arms like I-beams, fists like anvils, neck like a sewer pipe, head like a Volkswagen. I shrug my mighty shoulders, and sweaty punks go flying through the air like gnats off a yak's back. Yay, though I march through the valley in the shadow of punk rock music, I shall fear no punk, for I am the biggest, the baddest, the meanest, the no pain feeling is jack booted thugging his steel toe having his no tooth grinning his boba fett walking his wookie scalp stalking his punk rock motherfucker in all the valley. As a matter of fact, I made the valley with one mighty drag of my pinky toe. Goddamn, Shazam! Slam, green eggs and ham. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say a woman. And just because you see me standing in the corner all by myself, watching the mosh pit mayhem from afar, skinny, in a black Depeche Mode t-shirt, it don't mean nothing because I don't have to prove myself to nobody. Damn. My mom in the audience? <laughs> Bitter ex-girlfriend poem number 65. Kissing you is like shooting up with Novocaine. I don't feel a thing. You know, five minutes ago, I was playing spades on Amtrak. Now, I'm up on stage. Oh, boy. All right, I've been on the road for four months, living out of my backpack. I started in Chico, California, and I'm all the way here. If you looked like if this was the United States, I went like this. And now I'm over here. I'm really tired. And I haven't shagged a groupie yet. Yes, I went into this with integrity. And this is my last gig. And I'm saying, to hell with integrity. I'm ready to shag some groupies. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. Chill. Oh, my God, that's a big old fatty beer. Oh, I don't drink, but I think tonight I'm going to drink. Last time I drank, I do a little gig in Chico, and I'm the host there. And about two years ago, I drank a big thing of red wine, and I got stinking filthy drunk, and I blacked out the last 15 minutes of it, but I kept hosting. I've seen the videotape. It's really comical. All right, drum roll, please. Go like this. I'm going to drink my first beer in two years. into that. Is that, is, that a, is that a wheat beer? Is that what that is? I need some lemon. Can I get a slice of lemon for my beer there? Oh, okay. This is called road tripping. This is about being on the road. I was in the middle of the desert on my way to... Oof. Wow, that bus food, I'm telling you. Um, I was in the middle of the desert on my way to the Taos Poetry Circus, sitting on the tailgate of my pickup truck, eating a bologna sandwich, watching the sunset, and I wrote this poem. And I got a tattoo on this road trip. Wanna see it? 
It's a starter tattoo. Oh, that's a big old bus there. Hi, slow motherfucker. Duh. Okay, hold on. Do, 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 do. The ambiance. Where the hell is Kalamazoo? Where am I? Okay. Where am I? Am I over here? I'm right in the middle there. So Ann Arbor's like right there. Over, over that way? Okay, so I'm right there. Okay, got it. I'm going to kick it here for a couple of days. Is that cool? So the people, all, I want to meet people and hang out with them because I've got nothing to do now. I'm all done. So I'm going to stay here for a couple of days. So we're going to get a little crazy here. and We're going to get a little funky in Kalamazoo. All right, here's the fucking poem about being on the road. There's something magical and healing about a solo road trip. It's about forward motion. Something about going somewhere and leaving something behind. It's about yearning to blow off your job, quit your girlfriend, sell off all your shit, and pack what's left into the back of your pickup truck. It's about whittling your existence down to its necessary parts. Just you, a backpack full of CDs, a Walkman, a single bed in the back, and throwing the map out the window and getting the hell out of Dodge. It's about raising your head from the keyboard attached to a computer, on a desk, in a cubicle, in a work center, in a business that makes things for other businesses that sell things to other businesses and realizing that your paragraph in the great American novel is due for yet another rewrite. It's about yearning to tattoo the sticky black ink of your tires across the belly of this land, to become another steel corpuscle in the freeway bloodstream and flow into towns you've never seen and turning them over to find what's wriggling underneath. It's about blazing down that highway, just you and Patsy Klein, just you and Johnny Cash, just you and fucking Soft Cell and singing at the top of your lungs. Don't touch me, please. I cannot stand the way you tease at 75, 80, 95 miles an hour. It's about streaking past marching lines of giant steel robot electrical towers connected with wires by their ears. It's about playing ski rack or cop car for 600 miles at a time. It's about pulling over recklessly, immediately across four lanes of traffic to stop under an overpass to scribble a phrase or two that falls in your path like a safe from the sky. It's about leaving everything behind and cleansing yourself in a gritty, sweaty, unwashed catharsis of road dirt and sunburnt forearms and parking in a field infested with crickets in some town somewhere and drifting off to sleep in the same cutoffs and REM t-shirt you've been wearing since diving into the Colorado River in Needles, California just three days before. It's about the random encounters in coffee shops and Walmarts and gas stations and at the side of canyon roads. It's about being embraced by serendipity and spirited away from the real deal angst machine of modern day existence. It's about smiling, that healing smile that only days and days and days on the road can bring. I love a good road trip, man, that shakes your head and clears out the cobwebs and allows you to think clearly for the first time in months. Girlfriend haiku number 43. Loving you is like losing my keys for six months. I'm going nowhere. That was for Sonia Mansfield. 316-253-6187. All right, here's the big one. I'm going to get this one out of the way. It's going to be my one-hit wonder poem. I'll be 50, and people will be begging me to do this poem. So hoop it up. I'm going to retire it after this gig. 
My name is Big Papa E, and I am a wussy boy. It's taken me a long time to admit it. I remember shouting in high school, No, Dad, I'm not gay. I'm just a little sensitive. I tried to like hot rods and jet planes and Budweiser poster girls and fucking football, but I never got the hang of it. I don't know what's wrong with me, Dad. And then I saw him, there on the silver screen, bigger than life and unafraid of earrings and hair dye and rejoicing in the music of The Cure and Morrissey and Susie and the Banshees, walking loud and talking proud, my wussy boy icon, Ducky in Pretty in Pink. And I realized I wasn't alone. And I looked around and I saw other wussy boys living large and proud of who they were. Anthony Michael Hall, wussy boy. Michael J. Fox, wussy boy. And Lord God King of the Wussy Boy Movement, John Cusack in Say Anything, wussy boy. Unafraid to prove to the world that sensitive guys kick much ass. Now... There is no longer a reason to be ashamed of my wussiness. Hell no, I am empowered by it. When I pull up to a stoplight and some redneck testosterone methamphetamine jock frat boy asshole dumb fuck pulls up beside me, cranking his trans am stereo with power cord anthems to big tits and date rape, I no longer avert my gaze. Hell no, I just crank all 12 watts of my car stereo and I rock out right to his face. I am human and I need to be loved just like everybody else does. I am wussy boy. Hear me roar. <coughs> Bar fight? Shit, you think you can take me, huh? Just because I like poetry better than Sports Illustrated? Well, allow me to caution you, for I am not the average, everyday, run-of-the-mill wussy boy you beat up in high school, punk. I am wuss core. Don't make me get renaissance on your ass because I will write a poem about you. A poem that will tear your psyche limb from limb. That'll expose your selfish insecurities. That will wound you deeper and more severely than knives and chains and gats and baseball bats could ever hope to do. You may see 65 inches of wussy boy standing in front of you, but my steel-toed soul is 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Bring the pain, punk. Beat the shit out of me. Show everybody in this bar what a real man can do to a shit-talking wussy boy like me. But you'd better remember, my bruises will fade. My cuts will heal. My scars will shrink and disappear. But my poem about the pitiful, small, helpless cockman or oppressor you really are will last forever, fucker. <laughs> Bitter ex-girlfriend haiku number 666. Remember that time we made love for the very first time? We lied to ourselves. <laughs> How y'all doing? Thank you so much for staying. I was so like, oh, there's going to be one drunk guy in the back. <laughs> Fucking A, man. Freebird. <laughs> and you know you would have been him, Daddy. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, how's it going? I was hoping you would be here. I remember you. Oh, damn, look at Rock and Roll Girl. Venom. Ah. Warrant. Ah. Cherry Pie. Ah. She stayed in the dorms. So did I. Um, who stayed in the dorms? I heard the Kalamazoo team was kicking ass this year. Number 15 out of 56 teams. Fucking Who was on the team? Who was on the Kalamazoo team? Nope. They're all outside. They're all shining me. Ah, fuck you anyway. Chico came in 12th. Uh. All right. Um. I spent a summer in Las Vegas. 
You guys have heard of Las Vegas, right? Where's the poem? Here it is. I spent a summer in Las Vegas, and I fucking hated it. I worked at a, at a newspaper as an intern, and I absolutely hated it. Everything that I hate about America is jam-packed into Las Vegas, and I absolutely fucking hated it. The sexism, the racism, the homophobia. Fucking ah. So I only wrote one poem that whole summer, and it was all bitter and fucked up and mean, and this is it. <laughs> oh, it's a little bitter when I wrote this, so sue me if I go astray. There's two Prince fans. It's called Leaving Las Vegas. I exist in a forest of chain stores and pavement, of billboard whores and sacraments, of plastic coins and dice meant to distract the masses from their dreary daily routines as wobbly cogs in the great white machine. I exist in an X-rated cacophony of prepackaged destiny, of come-hither eyes from a thousand blinding signs, of cocktail waitresses bound in tight poly plumage and gagged by patriarchy gone mad, 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 of sex store dollar booths satiating masturbating sociopaths with eye candy debutantes and gaily colored tissue boxes and minimum wage jizz moppers waiting to sop up their discarded sickness. I live in a land of auction mass octogenarians, chain-smoking lucky strikes and shuffling cross casino carpets, clutching change cups like drowning men in life preservers, of shipwrecked showgirls and their silicon come-ons shaking their moneymaker for drooling fools and their Viagra-choked tools who think this must surely be the American dream. I exist, but I do not live, for this life is not for me, not this quagmire of consumerism, not this miasma of materialism, not this bloated corpse of sexism, this wretched hive of scum and villainy. I see with my naked eye fields of hunched shoulders pressed against huge banks of slots, rocking unconsciously back and forth and mumbling, stuffing quarters into slots and coaxing their dreams to life at the amazing Technicolor wailing wall. I exist as a shadow cast on a casino wall, watching, sick to my soul and yearning to leave this shopping mall town and its chopping block people and escape. But to where? To a corporate culture that trades billions of pink Chinese lungs for trillions of nicotine-tainted coffin nails and the bright white image of the Marlboro Man called Progress? to a soft drink youth movement of mass marketed rebellion that teaches our children to pay for their advertising and display their logos proudly across pubescent chests and define themselves not by their actions but by their fashions to a soundbite government of photo op polemics smiling for the camera and regurgitating the latest cross-reference trend and poll statistics as they kiss white babies and bomb brown babies over there somewhere to a society where the term work ethic means working your life away for ethics-free companies and religion means you will be rewarded for your shitty life after you die. Bitter, burnt, heartbroken, and alone. There is no escape. There is no leaving Las Vegas. Every fucking town in America is Las Vegas and we are all hopeless gamblers on an extended losing streak just rolling those dice as the house burns down around us. Thank you. I bit my lip. I think it's bleeding. So if I start talking like this, it's okay. For my inside of my lip? That would be gross. Oh, daddy. <laughs> well, maybe later. Um, here's another haiku. Redneck dad haiku number 43. My spine tingles as my pee mingles with the hot, soapy bath water.
Lisu's all laughing because he's pretending like he doesn't do that stuff, but I can picture this guy in the, in the bathtub, and he's like, oh, yeah. Got to mix up the water now. Mix up the water. Well, want to hear another redneck dad haiku? Okay. My ex-girlfriend pissed me off, so I killed her cat with a baseball bat. Wow, that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> the crowd goes mild. Oof. Okay, here's a poem. Anybody ever date a poet? This girl over here just totally, her eyes went down, and she looked very guilty. Okay. How about, like, have you ever watched somebody go up on stage and do a poem about you, and they didn't bother to fucking tell you first? That's what I'm talking about. I've never been the poor person there, but I've been the dickhead up here. So this is a poem about that, from that experience. It's based on a poem from Etheridge Knight, my favorite poet. So you should, who's heard of Etheridge Knight? That's what I'm talking about. That's cool, so cool that like five or six people have heard Etheridge Knight. That kicks ass. Everybody should know. Belly songs. I got it in my backpack. All right. That was the first poem that kicked my ass. I write poetry because of that poem. All right. So this is this. I wrote this, okay, for a girlfriend. And the first time I ever wrote it, read it, it was in front of an audience of 400 people. And we're all crying and stuff. And I went down, and I was hugging her, and I got like 10, 10, 10. It was like fame. We were all crying and stuff. And she still broke up with me. So, you know, we're best friends still who have sex. So I don't know what that means. I guess it's kind of like dating still. I don't know. That's what I'm talking about. I'm like Domino's Pizza. What are you doing? 30 minutes later, and she's got a hot pizza. All right. This is called Poetry Widow. Fuck poetry, she said, the smoking gun of her finger in my face. Fuck poetry. You don't write poetry for me anymore. You write excuses. Oh, I've hurt your feelings again. Here's another poem. Oh, I've disrespected your body again. Here's another poem. Fuck poetry. You're not a poet. You're a snake oil salesman. You don't have relationships. You have anecdotes. I am not your girlfriend. I'm your material. You take every sweet moment we've shared, every intimate detail, every secret, and you twist them into laughter at your stupid poetry slams. That is not poetry. That is rape. You rape our relationship of meaning in front of audiences who dare to cheer you on. I used to love your poetry. I was so flattered the first time you wrote a poem about me. It was so sweet. All that talk, curves in her hips and a smile in her lips and a little round belly just like a real woman should. But now I see through your shtick, fuck poetry. You don't write poetry, you write foreplay. You write propaganda. You prostitute your abilities on self-centered conquests. I am not your fucking muse. Your hunger for acceptance, your fucked up self-esteem, that is your muse. Fuck poetry. And as a matter of fact, fuck Charles Bukowski. And fuck Allen Ginsberg, too. Fuck Ferlinghetti and Kerouac. Fuck Snyder and Burroughs and Rexroth. Fuck sibilance and consonants and assonance and alliteration. Fuck freeverse and sestinas and quatrains and fucking limericks and haiku. Fuck moon, spoon, june. Fuck soulmate, partner, friend. Fuck lover. Fuck mother. Fuck God. Fuck Jesus. Fuck all the disciples. Nothing is holy. Nothing is holy. Nothing is holy. Fuck poetry. I don't need your goddamn poetry, boy. 
I need a man. A man who doesn't hide behind his Barnes and Noble journal and his word processor. I need a man. You gonna be that man? Are you gonna be my man or is mama gonna have to go shopping? You wanna write poetry for me? Fine. Put down your pen and love me a poem. Respect me a poem. Eric, I need you to stop fucking around with your stupid poetry slams and just be poetry. Yeah, it's called Feeling Fucked Up. Yeah, in the, in the original poem, he's talking about how he pushed his lover away from because he's, he was a junkie. And he talks about how he, the first half of the poem is how he, he pushed her away. And the second part, he is turning his back on everything that he values because all he wants is his woman back so his soul can sing. It's a heavy poem. All right, here's a haiku. It's called End of the World Haiku. I woke up to find it was the end of the world. Should I lock my bike? Yay. I'm from a little college town, and everybody gets their bike ripped off. So you always wonder if you got to lock your bike. All right, I'm going to do three more poems. Um, this next poem is coupled with another poem. So know that you're being set up right now. And you, you, you Gabby fuckers in the corner there, how about you shut up there? Excuse me. Excuse me, you Gabby fuckers there. Excuse me. Pardon me. Talking boy. Balding guy, receding hairline guy, shut the fuck up while the poem is reading. Thank you very much. Drink your beer and shut the fuck up. Thanks. Um, sorry, I had to regulate on his punk ass. I'm wearing my steel toe boots. Fucker. All right, in, uh, in Chico, it's a little college town. Yeah. It's a little college town, and everybody's so beautiful. It's like Disneyland for white kids between the ages of 18 and 23. And they're so WB channel, you know? You walk down the street, and you're like, I'm such a crush junkie. I'm like, oh, she's so cute, but oh, so is she, but oh, that group, oh, oh. So I'm walking around always in a state of, <laughs> just goofiness. I'm always so goofy. But I don't tell anybody about my crushes, so I'm cool that way. But I'm always like a flutter. And so I was a I've always Twitter-pated. Ooh, a wind. It's like that scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark where all the Nazis' faces melted. Uh! Um, so I was wondering what it would be cool. Like, wouldn't it be cool to know if, like, other people had crushes on you? Like, like if there was that girl who, when I walked by, went, ah. Oh, yeah. And you noticed it, and you're like, oh, that girl bit her finger at me. Ah. So I wrote this. And I wrote this for this. I was at a poetry reading, and there's this girl sitting right there, and she's so cute. And I have this, like, stone-cold rule. I don't date any poets. I definitely don't date anybody in my own scene. It just... Verboten. But man, she was so cute. And I was like so like dumb. I'm like, oh sorry. Oh, doing dumb shit all the time. So we exchanged phone numbers. And that night I wrote this poem. It's called Crushworthy. And it was for, her name was Jen O'Hare. I want someone to have a crush on me for a change. To notice when I don't come to class and wonder if I'm okay. To get nervous when I enter the cafe. To fumble with her papers and books. To pick at her clothing and check her reflection in salt shakers and napkin holders. 
to catch her breath when she sees me from across campus, tug on her best friend's collar and point with her eyes and whisper loudly, there he is, Big Papa E. <laughs> to run around the block as quickly and nonchalantly as she can, just so she can walk past me, make eye contact and smile to look into my big brown eyes, such long lashes, from across the room and think, yes. To look at my full kissing lips and think, oh, yes. To hear my voice and imagine how her name would sound if I said it, if I whispered it, if I... I want someone to make up nicknames for me, to talk about me in code. Oh yeah, I saw Backpack Boy today in the library in the romantic lit section. I saw Steel Toe Boots Boy talking to some girl in the bookstore today. I want someone to go straight home every night and check her answer machine just in case. Just in case and check the phone cord and check the battery and check the tape and make sure the goddamn blinking light isn't burned out just in case I call. I want someone to say, you're wrong about him because you don't know him the way I know him. Because she can just tell that I'm a good person must be a good person because I write poems about my grandma and my cats and she likes me so much for some reason, some unexplainable supernatural reaction to me. I want someone to mark her calendar. He talked to me today. To wonder what I would smell like after a long, warm sleep under a down comforter to close her eyes and picture what our kids would look like, to write silly, wretched, wonderful poetry about me for a change. Yeah. All right. So two days later, I give Jen O'Hara a call. And she says, I'm having a party. I want you to come over. I'm like, oh my God, she, I get such like, I get so wussy about it. I'm like, she invited me to a party. Oh my God, what am I going to wear? Oh, let's go to the thrift store and buy some stuff. So I go there and I never drink, okay? And we're partying and stuff. Ooh, back that ass up, back that ass up, you know? And um, everybody ends up going and it's just me and Jen. And I never drink and she, we're talking and stuff. And she's like, here, have a Heineken. And so I'm like, Okay, so we're drinking and stuff, and I'm nervous, and she's like, here, have a Heineken. I'm like, okay, so we're drinking and stuff, and she's like, here, have a Heineken. I'm like, woo, fuck it, all right, woo, let's talk. So after, like, the fourth Heineken, I am lit like a firefly, and she gives me that look. Like, she sits down on the futon couch and is like, <laughs> like that, it's okay to get up on me if you want, look, like, and I was like, Yo, she's been liquoring me up. Yes! Yeah! And so we kissed, and it was one of those perfect kisses. It's absolutely perfect. You know how sometimes you kiss, and it's like, doesn't quite work, and you're like, okay, we'll grow into it. And sometimes it's like all fucked up, and you're like, oh, later. But then it was like absolutely like, like eating a peach. It was so fucking beautiful. So I was like, okay, so I kind of like have a girlfriend, so I'll break up with her. Yeah, and you kind of have a boyfriend, so you break up with him, and we'll get together tomorrow, and we'll, we'll go out. So we did our dirty work, and that night we're like, oh, shit, it was bad. But then we're like, uh, we can date now. So we dated for six months. Then we decided it was time to go back to our exes. Because <laughs> it had run its course. And a month later, she died in a car accident. Yeah, dude, see, I told you this was a setup. Just like that. <laughs> we had just come back from the National Poetry Slam last year, and we won the fucking thing. We were on 60 Minutes. We were on the New York Times. We had this great big celebration in San Francisco. There's a line of 700 people, and I call my girlfriend now, and I'm like, hey, what's up? And she's like, Jen's dead. 
So I had to go do this performance in front of 700 people, and everybody knew Jen. Yeah, it was pretty fucked up, and she was always asking me, when are you going to write me another poem? And I always hemmed and hawed because I'm not Taco Bell. I can't just write a poem just because anybody want one, wants one. So it's fucked up. The very next poem I wrote for her was this one. A year later, I wrote this two weeks before I started to go on tour. And there's going to be some really funny poems after this, so I'll bring you back out of it. But she died September 10th, and that's been just a little over a year. So here's the poem I wrote. And you fuckers talk during this poem, I'll be mad, so just be cool. You can talk at the next piece, because I just cuss a lot at that one. This is for Jen O'Hare. It's called, There's a Hole in My Heart in the Shape of Her Smile That Will Never Be Filled. I will never forget the last sentence of the article in the newspaper the next day. The terrible crash pancaked the tiny Honda Civic. It rattled in our minds as we ran our fingers across the gouges in the pavement, our eyes squinting through a thousand glaring pinpricks of windshield fragments, searching for lucky pennies, scattered, hundreds of them, from her broken penny jar. The terrible crash pancaked the tiny Honda Civic. That sentence robbed us of closure, we weren't allowed to marvel at the mortician's handiwork. She looks like she's asleep. We couldn't cup her lifeless hand, powdered and colored with an artist's touch, and confirm that it was true, that this actually really had happened. No. The terrible crash pancaked the tiny Honda Civic, and they wouldn't even run photos because it's a family newspaper, and you can't run photos like that in a family newspaper. We had to just agree, nod our heads in unison and agree that she was gone and would never be back. This precious flower plucked in mid-blossom. And we held each other and remembered her as we had last seen her, pink and alive and smiling that big thumbs-up smile. And we were warmed by the knowledge that if anyone could have changed the world, she could have. Jen would have had she only been given the chance. But now we'll always feel like she's out there somewhere, always at the corner of our eyes, in the summer sea of spaghetti straps and backpacks, tan lines and smiles. She will be there at the corner of our eyes and we'll catch our breath, turn and see nothing. I think about that last sentence every time I drive. It echoes in my brain as I near the spot on the four-lane highway where she crossed the median and died. I picture the time of day, around 11 a.m. The sun was out. The sky was blue. There was no rain. She was driving alone. She was probably smoking cloves. She was listening to James Taylor's greatest hits. We know this because the tow crew pried that CD from what was left of her stereo and gave it to her mom. And I grip my wheel white-knuckled as I near the spot, and I can't help counting down the time she had left. And she didn't even know it was coming. It was a bright, sunny day, and she was singing. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. 20 seconds. I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end. 10 seconds. I've seen lonely times where I could not find a friend. 5 seconds. But I always thought I'd see you, baby, one more time again. And just like that, we are past it. And the scars in the pavement are left behind. And just like that, we are past it. And the white cross we left in the grass on the embankment is left behind. And just like that, we are past it. And the lucky pennies and the photos and the little good luck tokens and the letters and the constellations of shattered windshield are left behind. Just like she was left behind. The fucking headline should not have read, Chico State student killed in car crash. No, 
the headline should have shouted in capital letters, Jennifer Lynn O'Hare kicked so much ass. She was a poetess, a priestess, a goddess, a feminist, a fighter, a lover, a laugher, a teller of truths, a spinner of midnight balcony tales shrouded in Heineken and camels. She could break down Brian Johnson's male chauvinist arguments with the precision of a surgeon, hurling words like patriarchal and misogyny and hegemony in a rapid-fire distillation of everything she had learned in women's studies classes and Ani DeFranco songs. We almost felt sorry for Brian as she leaned towards him on the edge of her stool, pointing with a glowing cherry of a lit cigarette. She was a god-awful drummer, but a very enthusiastic drummer, a deep and passionate kisser, a liver of life, a lover of all things, not the best of students, but the best of teachers, a mentor, a sister, a daughter, a confidant, a friend, my friend. These words should have been displayed on the pages of every newspaper in the world, but they weren't. Most people in this world probably didn't even realize their loss. And I feel sorriest for all of those people. You people. Those of you who never had the chance to meet her because Jen was that cool. The last sentence in this poem is how I will remember Jennifer Lynn O'Hare. This world is a better place for having Jen in it, even if it was only for 20 years. Man, Jen kinks so much ass. Really neat person. All right, you guys ready to get a little happy? You guys ready for me to cuss and do a bunch of pop culture fucking references? Anybody ever work retail? Come on. Anybody ever work retail in a mall? Anybody ever work in a shopping mall at Christmas time? This is about that experience, and it goes out to you. It's called Chain Record Store Blues. I worked at a chain record store over the holiday season, and the worst things about it weren't the customers, or the shitty hours, or the shitty... <laughs> Let's drink some more beer. Wow, that was cheesy. All right. This goes out to you. I'm going to be burping all the way through this. Hold on. All right. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. All right. I worked at a chain record store over the holiday season, and the worst things about it weren't the customers, or the shitty hours, or the shitty wages, or the frenzy display of rampant consumerism posing as some quasi-religious celebration, nor was it the snot-nosed kids working there who referred to me as pops because my hair's not blue and my eyebrow doesn't have 47 piercings, and oh, fuck me, I just bought the latest Paul Simon album on my employee discount, fuck me, I'm old. I'm down. I'm not cool. I'm not deaf. I'm not fresh. I'm not fat. I'm not fly. I'm not old school. I'm not fucking punk rock. Or maybe it was all these things layered into a nice fat cow patty of love and devotion, but the cherry on top was the music, man. Having to listen to fucking Christmas music every fucking day between Halloween and New Year's and oh my god, did I want to fucking roast Nat King Cole's nuts over an open fire. And who the fuck told the fat guy from Blues Traveler he should sing Christmas songs? Anyway, it's the afternoon of Christmas Eve, and my chain record store is packed with last-minute shoppers, man. And I'm on the edge, man, after listening to hours and hours of Kathy Lee Gifford singing White Christmas. And I'm flying high on NyQuil and 17 joke colas, and I haven't had a break in five hours, and my balls are swollen with piss. And we're running full blast with all five registers ringing up long lines of idiots. And each one of them has got a handful of screaming kids yelling, I 
want Hanson and I want Spice Girls and no mom notorious B.I.G. doesn't have any cussing on it. I promise just fucking buy it for me. And they're all waving fistfuls of those Titanic soundtrack CDs. No! That shit is two years old and they're still buying it like baby boomer crack rock. And they're all asking me these stupid questions like, where would I find Barbara Streisand? And I have to bite my knuckle really hard just to keep from saying it. Barbara Streisand was up your ass eating a ham sandwich. You know where to find her, fucker. Because I have to keep this 575 an hour job long enough to pay my rent. And in the middle of all this Christmas joy comes this wide-eyed waif of a girl in a red baby doll shirt and baggy skater pants with seven silver hoops and one ear and a pierced lip and a pierced tongue and three nose piercings and a pierced belly button and the fucking Star Wars Rebel Alliance symbol tattooed on her neck. And she wafts up to my cash register and delicately places a brand new shiny copy of Smash Mouth's first CD in my counter and she says hi I'm Nikki with two K's and one I how are you and I say well Trish I'll tell ya I was just thinking about having my foreskin reattached because no one ever asked me if I wanted half my three-day-old penis lopped off for no goddamn good reason and even though it's only a little square of blackened leather and a jar of formaldehyde on my shelf at home I'm gonna sew that fucker back on And then I'm going to take a razor and slice my penis in half down the middle from the mushroom cap all the way down to the base. Then I'm going to slice it in force. Then I'm going to pierce the tips of each piece and attach them with silver chains to my ass so my cock will blossom like a flower. And then I'll really be punk rock. Don't you think that would be punk rock? I'm not going to stop there, no. I'm going to take body modification to a new level, Trish. I'm going to have the skin of my face removed and reattached to my ass so every time I take a shit, it looks like I'm smoking a cigar (laughs) and I'm saying this I jump up on the counter and kick the Janet Jackson display and send cassette singles raining down on the heads of the frightened shoppers and I unzip my pants and I unleash my mighty four inch cock and I let loose a torrent of pent up urine in an arching yellow fountain just as the Mormon tabernacle choir sings it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas and I scream there is no God there is no Jesus there's only me and I'm sending you capitalist fuckers to hell (laughs) (laughs) then Nikki then Nikki with two K's and one I says do you take checks and all of a sudden I'm back at my register behind the counter just staring at this stupid vapid skater chick so I say you know that Smash Mouth album sucks except for that one song on the radio and she says well it doesn't matter it's only for my brother and he's even lucky he's getting this so I ring her up and I say have a very Merry Christmas Nikki next why am I drinking water why I can go all night. You want to hear some more? Seven people want to hear more. The rest are ready to go home. Want to hear a story about my weenie? Okay, this is... (laughs) Yeah, there's two people want to hear poetry. Everybody else want to hear about my dick. Okay, me and Aton talking about our dicks. Hey, guess what? We're going to go on tour across the West Coast. Me, Aton Kadosh, and Shane Koizian, the individual winner. Did y'all see Shane when he performed? Dude, tell me that's not going to be a kick-ass tour. We're going to tour all over the West Coast as the wussies. And then we're going to go national, so we'll come back here because Kalamazoo is pretty darn cool. That was, such a, that was such a cheesy butt rock thing. Yo, Kalamazoo! Okay, so are you ready to rock Cleveland? Okay, um, here's the story. This is the Tropicana orange juice bottle debacle. I'm in LA and I fucking hate LA. 
even more than I hate Las Vegas. I hate it, I hate it, I fucking hate it, I hate it. It's smoggy, and you gotta drive 50 fucking minutes just to get to the store. It's dirty, everybody's vapid and stupid and lame, and everybody's got a fucking screenplay. I fucking hate it. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting somebody holding a Starbucks cup. I fucking hate it there. Oh, traffic makes me fucking tense. The way I can tell I'm getting tense because I'm pretty mellow is I say God damn a lot. I'm like, God damn it. God damn it. Like, coming here on the bus, I was God damn the fucking Amtrak people. Whoever invented the fucking Nazi motherfucker Amtrak fucking God damn it, God damn it. So I'm in traffic. I'm God damn like a fucking car alarm. God damn it, God damn it, God damn it, God damn it. And I've left two, because my next gig is in Las Vegas. It's, through, it's like five hours through the desert. And I'm, I'm, I left two hours early so I can get there in plenty of time. And I spent two hours in fucking traffic. And I'm like, ah! And I can't use my cell phone in Los Angeles because there's so much cell phone theft that you have to, like, jump through fucking hoops just to be able to use your fucking cell phone. So I can't even call the guy and say I'm late. So I finally, after two and a half hours, I'm finally going through tra- through the desert. And I'm so fucking late. So I call the guy. I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry I'm late. He's like, dude, you can't be fucking late. There's 800 people here. I'm like, oh, I'll be there as soon as I can. So I'm driving. I'm like going 90 miles an hour in my pickup truck. And I'm drinking this orange juice. And I'm like, oh, I'm driving, I'm driving. I'm listening to Bjork. You know Bjork? I'm listening to Army of Me, and I'm like, ugh, from the Post album. Ugh, and I'm driving, I'm listening to fucking Army of Me from Post. And I'm driving, I'm drinking my fucking warm orange juice, and I'm driving 90 miles an hour, and the wind's blowing because it's through the desert, and I have to pee. Okay. I still got three hours to get to Las Vegas. I'm already late. There's no way I'm pulling over to go pee, but I've got to really pee. So I'm like, okay. It's all about the truck driver pissing the bottle trick. Only this time it's 90 miles an hour, and there's a lot of wind. And I got this juice bottle, and it's empty now, but I'm about to put some recycled orange juice back in the bottle while driving, listening to Bjork's Army of Me. First track off post. Okay. So I'm driving, and the wind's blowing, so I'm, you know, I'm kind of driving like that, and I take homeboy out, and, you know, he's just chilling, so I have to kind of pull on him a little bit. Okay, so he's chilling. I take the bottle, and, you know, it's not one of those big bottles like, you know, like Gatorade. Gatorade bottles are perfectly made for driving long trips because they got the big-ass wide bottle. You don't have to be accurate at all. You get it in the neighborhood, and that sucker goes in, right? But this little bad boy is like this, the Tropicana orange juice bottle, and it's all hot and sticky, so I'm like... I'm like, God damn it. So I have to kind of lick him around the edge and lubricate him. And he's still not going, so I have to kind of take my thumb and poke him. I kind of have to poke him in there, right? And I'm like, ah, I'm driving, and I'm I'm poking, and I'm listening to Bjork, and I'm driving, and I'm poking. All right, finally he goes in, and I poke him in there far enough, and I'm peeing. And it's all good, and I'm driving, and I'm listening to Bjork. Okay, here's a little side thing. Who is not turned on by the sound of Bjork's voice, okay? You know what I'm talking about? You know Bjork? She's so fucking cute, and she's singing an army of me, and she's so cute, and I start thinking about Bjork, and pretty soon, little Papa E is on his way to being big, medium Papa E, and pretty soon, he's like supersized with fries, big Papa E, and I find that I am stuck in the Tropicana orange juice bottle. He's all swollen up in purple, pee sloshing around, and I can't get myself out of the fucking bottle. So I'm driving at 90 miles an hour. I'm swooping around because of the fucking wind. I'm listening to Bjork. I'm all turned on. I got my weenie in the juice bottle, pee splashing all over the place, and who should come up behind me but the cop? A cop, and my dick is stuck in a juice bottle. I've been going 95 miles an hour, weaving all over the fucking place, and my dick is in a juice bottle. So I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm like, ah, 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 ah. I'm trying to get it out. I'm fucking trying to get it out. It's all stuck, so I'm like trying to lubricate it. I'm like, can't get it out. 
And we pull over, and it's all glass. It's a glass bottle, so there's no, like, manipulating it at all. I'm stuck. And the cops come in. Dun, 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 dun. Army of me still playing. An army of me. And I'm like, oh, my God, here he comes. And he's, like, at my tailgate. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, all. And at the last minute, just as I see him, I take my backpack. And he's there. And I got my headphones on. And Army of Me is still playing. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he's like, k -k -k on my window. So I'm like, and, you know, he's got his little helmet on, his little cop fucking cockman oppressor glasses. And he's a young guy, but he's still a cop with a fucking, you know, the. and he's like, you were weaving back there. You been drinking? I'm like, no, sir, I don't drink. I don't drink at all. I just drink orange juice. <gasps> I don't drink. I'm not drunk. The wind was just blowing, and it was hard to navigate through the wind. And he's like, what you got there in the backpack in your lap there? No, wait. That comes later. He says, he says, you know, it's against the law to drive in Nevada with the headphones on. What are you listening to? I'm like, Bjork. And he's like, right on, fucking A. I love Bjork. You ever listen to that album, Post? I fucking love that album. I'm like, that's what I'm listening to, Army of Me. He's like, Army of Me fucking rocks, man. I really love it, but you're not supposed to wear that in Nevada. What you got in the backpack? I'm like, and I totally freeze. I'm like, like that. No, he's like, so he, he goes like this. He goes, and he flicks the little thing on his gun, and he puts his hand on the gun, and he goes, What's in the backpack? And so I'm like, oh, I fucking hate LA and I'm on tour and I'm doing poetry, man, and I'm, I'm late and I was drinking soda and then I'm, I was peeing and my dick is stuck in a Tropicana orange juice bottle. <laughs> and I didn't want you to see it. And at this time, he's totally laughing. He's just this like 26-year-old dude, and he's like got his head on the on the windowsill, just rolling it, laughing like he's gonna tell everybody back at headquarters that I got my dick in a juice bottle. And he's like, oh my god. So he's laughing and stuff. So I'm like still nervous and terribly embarrassed. My weenie's still in the juice bottle. And he's like, oh, you're a poet. That's cool. I love poetry. What, what'd you say your name was? And I said, Big Papa E. And he's like, oh my god, Big Papa E. I was just in Phoenix, and me and my girlfriend in Phoenix saw you at Phoenix, and you're fucking awesome, man. We were going to buy a book, but we didn't have any money. Fucking, I can't wait till I tell my girlfriend that Big Papa E. I pulled him over with his dick in a juice bottle. Yeah. He's like, do you have any extra books? I'm like, in the backpack. He's like, right on, man. Will you sign one? I'm like, yeah. So he made me with my dick in the juice bottle, made me sign it to like Gretchen and Dave, my biggest fans. And I gave it to him. He's like, all right, man, I'm gonna be following you. If you throw that juice bottle out on the ground, I'm gonna get you for littering. <laughs> and that's the end of the story. And I didn't get a ticket or anything. <laughs> Wanna hear another story? Who's all ready to go? Anybody who's ready to go, like you, who keeps grimacing? Oh, you want to? Oh, why don't we do that? How about let's take a quick break, because I've got books. Let me show you. Oh, see, I'm like coming to the end, and I forgot that I'm supposed to sell shit. Hey, um, I've been on tour <laughs> for four months, and the way I've been feeding myself is by selling books. And they're only five bucks. But if you don't have five bucks, just give me a big hug and say thanks for coming to Kalamazoo and we'll talk. So how about let's take a five minute break. If you want a book, sell, I'll sell you a book. That way I can eat. Because I'm going to stay here for like three days. Right on, we can eat together, baby. I guess you, you like orange juice, baby? You like things that taste like orange juice? No, wait. Sorry. No. 
So how about we, let's let's give it up for Big Papa E, and we'll take a break. So if you want a book, I'm going to be over there. So come and help me out or, or just say you liked it. Come and talk to me. I want to meet some people because I'm going to stay here for a while. Thanks for having me. Sometimes it gets so hot I want to crawl right out of my skin. But Charlie, why me? Why? Because you don't listen! You think you know pain? You think I made your life hell? Take a look around this dump. You're just a tourist with a typewriter, Barton. I live here. Don't you understand that? And you come into my home and you complain that I'm making 